Is Texas A&M football now a Tier 1 program? This is a very in-depth question that I like to look at from a few different angles. The first angle, and to me this is the most important one. Who's the coach? So is the coach a decent coach that keeps you consistent but you never seem to get to that Tier 1 level? Or is your coach elite? Well, in my opinion, Jimbo Fisher is elite. So if you were to have a a list of requirements in order to be a Tier 1 program, you can check this box, the coach box that you have to meet. And A&M meets this with Jimbo Fisher, in my opinion. The second angle that I like to look at, what is the nature of your program? So what's the recruiting like? What are the facilities like? What's the atmosphere like? Well, A&M, even before they had Jimbo Fisher in College Station, to me, I thought they had the atmosphere. They were one of the loudest atmospheres in all of college football. They had the 12th man, so they had that going for them. They've always had one of the better facilities in the country. And you look at some of those pedigree uh, names, like a Michigan, Ohio State. They have some of the better facilities in the country. So A&M is in that same group. They got, the, they got great facilities. But now, thanks to Jimbo Fisher, now they've also, they're also up to snuff in recruiting. I look at Texas A&M teams in the past with Kevin Sumlin. They had some of the flash. They had like the Johnny Menzel, right? They had the guys who in the skill positions, but they were never, to me, up to snuff at the line of scrimmage in the SEC. In the past, we talked about how the SEC was a physical conference, and it still is, but it was always like the first thing you heard about. It was That, that was what they were known for, that grinded out toughness. A&M never had that with Kevin Sumlin. But now with Jimbo Fisher, their strengths have gone from the skill position now to the line of scrimmage. So to me, that second thing, the, the recruiting, facilities, atmosphere, that's all checked now. Here's the third angle that I look at, though, to determine what tier your football program is in. And the third thing that I like to look at is what have you done with that current coach? And what's the culture of the program moving forward? Well, I just said a little bit about how the culture of the program moving forward seems to be on a positive note. But what has AM done with Jimbo Fisher? So let's, let's go back in time to December 4th, 2017, when he was hired in, for, uh, for Texas A&M. Immediately, a lot of the Aggie fans went ballistic. They were like, oh my gosh, he's one of the only coaches who are currently hired to have won a national championship. So they figured, hey, if he can do it with Florida State, he can surely do it in Texas when he's got all those recruits, those star recruits. When you look at how rich of a state Texas is with their talent, and when they thought about how great of a recruiter Jimbo is, how great of a coach he is, he, they figured if he can get the most out of the Seminoles and with Florida State winning a national championship with Jameis Winston and all those guys eight years ago, that he could surely do it with Texas a so let's take a look at the seasons that he's been in College Station. Three full seasons. 2018, they finished 8-4 and four in the regular season. Those four losses, a close loss to Clemson, a three-touchdown loss to Alabama, a two-touchdown loss to Mississippi State, and a close loss to Auburn. And the, well, very interesting finish, to say the least, with LSU. Some questionable calls. But that's not the point. They won that game, found a way to win, 74-72, to and seven overtimes. 
Now, A&M, including that game against LSU, had two two good wins on that season. LSU was ranked number seven at the time they played them, so that was a very good win at home. And then they beat Kentucky, who was ranked at the time, with that strong senior class that they had, Benny Snell and all those guys. And they beat them at home in overtime. So, A&M finished 9-4 and with their bowl victory over North Carolina State in 2018. But that was a pretty good team for A&M. That was not elite. Let's take a look at 2019. Now, A&M was dealt a killer schedule that featured five top 10 teams, including three of those teams that were ranked number one at the time A&M played them with Clemson, Alabama, and LSU. Now, an elite team... Well, let me first of all, A&M finished 7-5 and five and finished with those five losses to those five elite teams that they played in 2019. And three of those five losses were by more, were, were by two possessions or more. So only two of those games were relatively close. And in one of those two games, A&M had to score a lot at the end to make the score look a little bit better. And that was against Auburn when they played them at home. So they finished 7-5 and five in the regular season, beat Oklahoma State, in the bowl game. But a an elite team does not go winless with those opportunities. Now, any elite team would struggle to go to have that schedule and go unscathed. There's no doubt about it. I don't care if you're Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State, it would be hard to go undefeated with that schedule. That's not what I'm saying. But an elite team, here's what I'm saying, an elite team would not go winless. They would win at least a couple of those games and opportunities, especially when you get a couple of those games at home. So that was Jimbo's second year in 2019. And then came 2020, Jimbo's third year. And the third year is typically the year that people look at to say, okay, this is going to be our defining moment. This is typically when the media and the fans and the alumni will say, okay, third year is the year. If you don't, if you don't do well in 2020, then we might have to let you go. You know, 2020 or third, the third year is the year that you got to show us what you're capable of. And in 2020, Jimbo Fisher certainly did with A&M. Now, what happened exactly in 2020? Well, a lot happened, and not just with Texas A&M. Lots of things off the field occurred in 2020. Now, I'll get back to that in a sec, but let's discuss A&M's success that they had last year. And let's tie that into the offseason and the 2020, and I mean that in the verb (laughs) tense, and I'll get to that in a sec, but let's tie that into because I think the 2020 breakthrough season for Texas A&M had a lot to do with what happened in regards to COVID and all those things. A&M finished the season this past year 9-1, and including their bowl victory over North Carolina, and they finished in the top five in the final poll. That's awesome, and that is elite for that one season. But there were many things leading up to this breakthrough. So I mentioned a few seconds ago about 2020 and all the things that happened. Let's get into that and what I mean by how the 2020 offseason shaped the A&M success that they had this past year. We obviously know how COVID altered our lives and how the pandemic shaped our lives. Well, the pandemic also shaped the 2020 college football season. In a, quotations around this word, in a normal offseason most teams go through the period of figuring out all the kinks and getting that much-needed reputation throughout the offseason to prepare for the fall, right? Well, COVID wiped out all of this. No spring 
And so that meant less time to figure out all the questions. So this hurt every team to a degree, but it was detrimental to the teams who were already in a transition year, whether they're going through a rebuild or reload, depending on the tier of their program. But it certainly hurt the teams less who brought back a good amount of experience or continuity within their roster and or their coaching staff. And A&M was on the good end of the spectrum here. They were top 15 in returning production. And then, of course, when you put Jimbo Fisher in a situation to where he can excel, he's going to prove you right. And A&M had a breakthrough season in 2020, right? But here's, here's something interesting. I want to discuss this real quick while we're on the topic. Think about the breakthrough teams in 2020. Texas A&M, Indiana, Northwestern, Coastal Carolina, all of those teams had continuity and were top 20 in returning production. Coincidence? I think not. But going back to A&M, they knew that 2020 was the year that they had to do something. After they beat Oklahoma State in the bowl game, after the 2019 season concluded, they knew that they were bringing back most of their guys. So they figured that, okay guys, 2020, the Jimbo's third year, this is the year where we're going to kind of make our mark. But I think COVID kind of exaggerated what that mark would have really looked like. Now, I talked about how AM had a breakthrough season. They finished 9-1, talked about their final record and, and their ranking, right? The Aggies finished 9-1 with their bowl victory over North Carolina. And then they finished 8-1 in conference. So let's look at those eight wins. Their one loss was to Alabama, no surprise. But let's look at those eight wins of who they beat in conference. Uh, they, they beat Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Arkansas, South Carolina, Tennessee, Auburn, LSU, and Florida. Now, this was also a, a 2020 offseason that brought a strictly SEC schedule as well as other conferences having to mainly play a strictly conference schedule. So here's, a, here's what's interesting about this. You're probably going to hear a lot of people bring up if they're talking in terms of AM's success, they're going to bring about they're going to bring up about how AM played a strictly conference schedule, which means a strictly SEC schedule. So they did that with one of their more difficult schedules. Really? I'm gonna mull that over. Because again, of the eight teams that I just told you that they beat, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Arkansas, South Carolina, and Tennessee, I could use a list of adjectives to describe the current state of their programs. And most of those adjectives are not positive. Then I talked about earlier, how about teams that were going through major transition years, felt the wrath of COVID, so to speak? Well, LSU was last in returning production. And even AM's win over LSU wasn't dominant. LSU tied them in total yardage. And that was without their two best quarterbacks in that game, LSU. Because Miles Brennan, their original starter, was hurt. And then they didn't know about Max Johnson yet. And still, A&M did not beat them by as much as probably what they should have. It took a pick six to make that score look a little bit better. And remember, LSU tied them in total yards. That was at A&M. Then A&M beat Auburn and Florida. Now, those are much better wins, but even Auburn wasn't as strong as as what they've been in the past. And they were going through a little bit of a transition year. They lost a lot of their really good defense that they had from the season before. And we talked about teams that were going through transition. And then Florida. And A&M did beat Florida at home. That's a really good win, obviously. But Florida is not a Tier 1 program either. 
Florida is a good tier two program. And in my opinion, that's where we should categorize Texas A&M. They're not a tier one program. They're a tier two program. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that Jimbo Fisher has this program in the right trajectory. But tier one, I'd hold your horses on that.